0: For those of you who don't know, uh, my name's Adam, I'm one of our, our pastors, and I've actually been over uh, helping with our Two Notch Church for all of 2015, pretty much, and I'll be back, uh, I'll be back at downtown. <laughs> appreciate that. That's the only reason I brought it up, I just wanted a little love. Uh, I'll be back at downtown over the next couple of weeks, uh, but I've absolutely loved it. Uh, I wanted to say welcome back. Uh, for those of you who've been gone for the summer, I'm glad to have you guys back, you college students. Um, a lot of you know this, when we started our church way back in the day, we had some adults on board, we were mostly college students, and people uh, would kind of hear about Midtown, and they would say, oh, y'all are that college church, kind of derogatory, you know, like it was a bad thing, and we were like, I, I don't know, I, I mean, we have college students, what, is that, is this a bad, is this a problem? It, it's almost like people would talk about um, younger folks as though you guys were a problem to be solved, and we just kinda tend to think you guys are future leaders who just need to be equipped. And so I love that you guys are, are here, you college students. Um, gosh, we actually were meeting with some, with some pastors of another church the other day, and they were asking about our life groups, and we were just sharing how we do things, and they were asking, all right, who, who leads your groups? How do y'all get so many people to be willing to, to lead, and so we're giving them the breakdown, and they saw that a bunch of you guys who are college students lead life groups. And they were immediately just like, oh no, we would absolutely never let a college student lead one of our groups. I mean, what, what in the world would a college student have to offer? And we're kinda like, I don't know, Jesus? <laughs> same, same as the rest of us. I don't even know what you're talking about right now. So I, we don't feel like us when you guys are gone for the summer. I know you pr- your language is probably that you went home for the summer, but to us, you're back home now. So welcome home. We're glad to have you guys back. Let me, uh, let me start, and I was just going to give you some, uh, some updates, just practically speaking. Um, so we're almost officially three churches, almost officially. Uh, Two notch downtown, Lexington will meet for the first time Sunday, September 16th. So we're really looking forward to that. Um, we got a group that's planning to head to Knoxville over the course of the next 12 months or so. I think about rolling deep. Uh, I think we got about 30, maybe, that are going to uh, uproot and move to Knox. So we put a, a piece of paper on your seat. So if you want to grab that, uh, I'll point out a few things. I won't. Uh, I don't. I don't feel the need to go over every single thing there. But this is just practical stuff. We thought you guys might want to know as we head into the uh, to the ministry year. So you can see uh, life groups breakdown. Um, we'll, we'll head into the year 71 life groups at downtown, eight at Two Notch, and five already at Lexington. 65 people in life groups already with Lexington. It's unbelievable. Um, 11 new groups launching, 31 relaunching, so a big part of that is because of how many people we're sending out. So we kind of had to backfill with some of our leaders that we've recently gotten developed, and so a group gets relaunched if a, if a leader shifts to Lexington or Knoxville, and so we've got a, a lot of leaders that we're, that we're sending out over the course of the next year, and so we've got a lot of groups that'll be quote-unquote relaunching 59 new life group leaders. That's unbelievable. Really, really cool. Uh, we got income and expenses there. We, we really don't have much to hide when it comes to finances, so you can feel free to look at that, ask any questions if you'd like. Flip it over to the back really quickly. That's our teaching series uh, coming up over the next, uh, what is that, nine months, I guess. Downtown and Two Notch will be synced up. Lexington will kind of be, you guys will be doing your own thing there for the uh, for the beginning, and you'll sync back up with us at some point when it's when it's appropriate, uh, I wanted to point out to you a citywide baptism there that'll be in November. Hopefully, at a uh, brand-spanking new to us nightclub, yeah. right? So that's hopefully where we'll. Uh, <laughs> where all right, so I guess I need to explain that. I just realized. <laughs> all right, so that's a two-notch thing. It's a uh, it's a, a term of excitement. <laughs> it's the the Wookie sound. I can't do it, and I'll not try. All I can do is a Mexican uh, tequila call. That's the, best that I can, that's the best that I can get. But if you hear... If, if you Too much. Too many things. I can't explain them all, guys. Can't explain them all. But if you hear a random Wookiee sound, that's somebody saying amen. In, uh, in December, we'll do a give project. We'll do another big citywide Christmas gathering. So baptism will be citywide. All of our churches... Christmas will be citywide, all of our churches. In January, we're going to do a uh, a, a new series in uh, in our in our new building for downtown folks. It'll be a spacemaker. Uh, our culture, uh, our culture, the world that you live in, the Western part of the world, uh, we have officially lost our minds when it comes to gender and when it comes to sexuality. And I don't think I'm using hyperbole. In fact, the first sermon of that series, my plan is to prove to you using definitions. We've lost our minds. That's where we're going. So we'll lose a lot of people there. We figured that was a good way to start a new building. So we'll do that for a few weeks, Uh, both downtown and two notch will be synced up on that. And uh, we'll finish out Luke and we'll do a big citywide Easter gathering and hopefully have some folks that uh, That'll want to get baptized there, and then you've got your fall calendar. Try to separate it out based on churches. Uh, last thing I'll point out to you is, all the way in March, we're going to actually do a citywide Good Friday gathering. That I think will be a lot of fun. So here's something that's really cool. Just because downtown is actually going to get a building that has adequate space, it just frees us up to do a lot of stuff we'd always wished we could be we could have done, but just didn't have space for. And so we'll get to do a big citywide Good Friday gathering and then a citywide Easter gathering. So we're really excited about that. So you guys, take that home with you. Take that sheet of paper home. Just wanted you to be in the loop on, uh, on everything that's going on. i give you some more updates on facilities because it actually looks like uh, by 2016, we're going to have all three churches in adequate facilities, which is a miracle. So I'll start with... Uh, With Two Notch, we were just able to lease the building that we have been meeting in over at Two Notch, which freed us up to start meeting on Sunday mornings. So I don't know if those of you who've been around a while, you might remember this, but when we, when downtown was only meeting on Sunday nights, people thought, why aren't y'all a real church? And we would always say, well, I think we are. We just meet on Sunday nights. And people were like, no, that's not how that works. If you don't meet on Sunday mornings, I'm not coming and you're not a real church. And so uh, we're excited that Two Notch finally has uh, Sunday mornings. Got some pictures. We'll scroll through them real quick for, uh, for Two Notch, I think, maybe. There it is. Got a sign. Hey. Hey. Uh, and then here's the inside of the building. We were able to do some painting and some stuff like that. Those walls used to be a weird green, not like Midtown green either, just weird green. Um, so that's that, that was uh, this past Sunday, actually. So really excited about getting to do some upgrades over there. Uh, Lexington, you guys, it's almost too easy for you. I think you're going to, you needed to struggle a little bit more, honestly. <laughs> so Meadow Glen Elementary, is, they're just fantastic human beings over there. They're just fantastic. And they have welcomed us with open arms. They're going to let us, that's a picture of, of Meadow Glen. They're going to let us uh, rent their cafetorium. <laughs> uh <laughs> It, uh, we'll show you some pictures. It's got a stage, they got some lights, they've got those windows. So, uh, so here's what's really cool about that though. It's tons of space, but it gives us flex space. So when we're meeting over there on Sundays, what we can do is after our gathering, we can just bring lunch or whatever. We got tables, look at them. Uh, kids can play on the playground. that's right through those windows that you're looking at. And we can just be family and have lunch after we have gatherings over there. So it's just, I mean, it's perfect. And then here's what is so ridiculous. That'll be the cheapest thing we have out of all three churches. <laughs> Meadow Glen, I tell you what, I tell you what. And then uh, downtown, you guys know about, uh, about the nightclub. We are actually, right now at least, we are on schedule and we're ahead of budget, which just never happens. Um, so I'll show you a few pictures of that. We painted the outside. You may ask, what color is that? to which I would respond, we invented our own color. We had a guy help us mix a color because we wanted it to be a really, really dark gray. So you're looking at, if you go to the Sherwin Williams store now, you can say, I'd like to purchase some Midtown gray. And they will say, would you like a pint or a quart? That's Because that's what that is. That's a Midtown gray. We invented that color. Here's the inside. We'll just scroll through some pictures. So it's just the empty box right now. We demoed a lot. We kind of got a stage going on there. Um, That's the other side of the of the room. And then here's the lobby, giant lobby space. Um, so it's going really well. We're excited about it. And uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be cool. It'll be very, I know I keep saying this, but I need you to have right expectations. It's going to be very basic. Like it's going to be an old warehouse. That's what it's going to feel like. You're going to, you're going to walk in and think, oh, this is an old warehouse. That's what's going to happen. So I just want you to be, <laughs> want you to be ready for that. Here is a real quick update uh, for, this will apply to everybody, but specifically for, for downtown. So uh, the offices that all of our, um, that our staff is in right now, the building is for sale, and we are in the basement of said building. It used to be a morgue. <laughs> this is cozy. Um, we have 3,500 feet in the middle of the vista, and we pay $500 a month. So the new owner is not going to like that, and we're going to get kicked out as soon as the building gets sold. So uh, as long as it's on the market, we've got amazing office space, but as soon as the building gets sold, we're going to get kicked out. So we need to find offices... And we need to find offices for about 35 or 40 people, preferably somewhere in downtown Columbia. If you know anything about how that works, that's not something that you'd like to be having to do. So we actually, um, we're we're looking a few, uh, I don't know, maybe a month and a half ago, and the lot right behind the nightclub, so we got the nightclub, then we've got this warehouse that we also bought as part of the package. There's a lot right behind it that's for sale. Here it is on the map. You can guess where this is going. So it's an (laughs) L-shaped. It's an L-shaped lot. It goes all the way to Barnwell Street down here. So that's our building, the, whatever that is, gray, light blue. That, it's all, It connects to this Taylor Street property. It's one uh, disconnected warehouse and then um, some warehouses that are all connected and it has Taylor Street frontage. Well, originally the owner wanted $1.1 million. So we were just like, nope, I hope you sell it to somebody great. They'll be our neighbors. Well, we went back to them and we were actually able to work out a deal to get that under contract for $550,000. Now, here's what, here's what is cool. So it's parking. It's gonna be like 60 or 70 parking spots that connect to our property. So immediately the property value goes up on the nightclub because now we've got parking connected to it. So that's awesome. Uh, the warehouses are really cool on the inside. I'll show them to you. So here's the outside. They're just kind of white, connected warehouses. Here's the front. It's office space. Show you another picture. Yeah, and then here's the warehouses. So, I mean, just cool, just cool warehouse space. So because it's connected, that could be uh, future expansion space if we need space for maybe, I don't know, like a student's building, and we can have some space for students to meet in or future kids. Y'all are making babies left and right, so we're going to need more kids space. So it gives us that kind of expansion space. Plus, we could move our offices over there, and then here's what's crazy. We get all of that, and the price is cheaper than we could find offices by itself anywhere else in all of downtown Columbia. So it's going to be like 3000 bucks a month for office space for 40 people. We couldn't find that anywhere. So we get parking, we get increased property value on what we already bought, we get future expansion space, and we get office space that will allow all of our churches to have offices there if, if they would like to. So it's pretty dang killer. We're really excited about that. So we are doing inspections and stuff like that because we want to make sure we do all our due diligence, but... That's just a little update. We can, we can afford it. We ran it past our financial advising team um, a little while back, and everybody was, was, I mean, aggressively, yes, do this. Also, let's save up to buy the funeral home. And it was like, slow down, you know? <laughs> uh, so we're really excited about that. I think that's going to work out, um, so we'll keep you guys in the loop on that, but it looks like we may actually have some good parking connected and some office space there. So just a lot of really good stuff going on. This, this nightclub deal has been one of the only real estate things I've ever seen where every single thing worked out great the whole way through. Usually stuff goes terribly when you're trying to do construction and buy and sell and all that stuff. It's been unbelievable how God's just kind of provided it. And so thank you guys for praying on that. I know that this has been a big deal and we've been looking for a long time. It's a lot of years of prayer that have kind of added up to, to this. So we're really excited about that. And again, hopefully we'll be in there for, um, for mid-November. All right, that's the practical stuff. Um there's something that that our pastors wanted me um to say to you guys as we get as we get prepared for the year it comes out of Acts chapter 16. So why don't you grab your Bible or your app Acts chapter 16 Here's something that I think is coming for us and uh as we look at the upcoming ministry year, just wanted to be prepared for. So we're going to plant two churches. It adds up to about 100 people that we'll send out. Going to move buildings. Um, there's, a, uh, there's a cost that comes with all of that, sending people out and uh, planting churches and looking to, to help, looking to, to help our city there's a cost that comes with that. I don't just mean financial. In fact, I really don't. I don't mean financial. I mean, there's just a cost. There's just a sacrifice in sending people, in making changes. It's a big reason why people don't like change. Because with change comes some amount of sacrifice, some amount of cost. And so I just kind of wanted to, uh, to stick close to this story. It's a story of Paul um, doing some church planting. And so um, Acts chapter 16, I just think there's something here that we could maybe be encouraged by. Um, Will you start with me in verse 8? So Acts chapter 16, verse 8. So passing by Myasia, they went down to Tros. I don't know how to say that. Verse 9, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. So Paul gets this vision, dream vision kind of thing. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. So, so Paul is, he's, he's laying there at night and he has this vision of this guy in, in Macedonia saying, hey, Paul, could you, could you please come help us? There's nobody here who, who can help us. We, we have no one here who knows Jesus. We have no community here to represent God for us. We got a lot of sin over here. We got a lot of separation from God over here. We got a lot of things that feel unbeatable Over here. We got a lot of loneliness here. We got a lot of disconnected people over here. We got a lot of brokenness over here. Can you please come help? That's Paul's vision. Paul at this point has no idea how much that help is going to actually cost him, though. When Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So Paul interprets this as God is saying, Go help them. They need it. There's no gospel representation there. Paul, go help. Verse 11. So setting sail from there, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city, Philippi, some days. So Philippi is the book that Um, you know, the book of Philippians is the city that the book of Philippians is written to. So Paul is going there. He's going to start a church and then later he's going to write a letter. Um, That's the letter where he even starts it. And he's like, hey, church in Philippi, every time I think about you guys, I thank God. All right. So Paul's going to have a great relationship eventually with this church in Philippi. But right now, no Christians there and they need help. Verse 13. So he's in Philippi. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. So that term, worshiper of God, means somebody who's not a native Israelite, but has converted to Judaism. So she's a worshiper of the God of the Old Testament, the God of Israel. She doesn't know Jesus, so she's not a Christian, but she's a worshiper of God of the the God of the Bible, she's converted to Judaism. So Paul goes, he sits down at this prayer meeting, and then check out right in the middle of verse 14, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and her whole household as well, she urged us, saying, if you've judged me faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay and she prevailed upon us. So they've got their first members of their new church plant. It's this woman, Lydia, and now her household. She's studying the Bible, looking at the Old Testament. Paul comes and explains to her probably how the whole Old Testament points to Jesus, how Jesus is the Messiah that's been promised throughout the whole, the whole Old Testament. The Bible says the Lord opened her heart. I just learned this recently. Um, the, uh, elsewhere in scripture, it'll say that the gospel, the, the good news of Jesus, is the power of God. The word power, power. It's actually the word where we get the word dynamite. That's kind of cool to me. That the the message of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, is like God's dynamite. It just blows people up. That's what happened to Lydia. She heard about Jesus. (laughs) Got blown up with it. So God's using Paul. They got a little small church plant now. Lydia and her family. Verse 16, there's fruit. As we're going to the place of prayer... We were met by a slave girl. So this is a girl who's physically oppressed, who had a spirit of divination. She's spiritually oppressed as well. And she brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. So apparently she's demonically oppressed and actually has some type of ability to to predict the future in some kind of ways, enough that people were believing it and her owners were making money off of it. She followed Paul and us, so this is Luke writing, so Luke apparently was with Paul here, crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days, Paul having become greatly annoyed. (laughs) There's so much that helps me believe the Bible, stuff like this helps me immensely, I mean, it's so real. If you're making stuff up, why in the world would you write it this way? Wouldn't you just say Paul saw her and his heart was broken? (laughs) Right? Like if you're making it up, that's what you would say. Paul, this amazing guy, he saw this poor girl and his heart was broken. But the Bible's real, therefore it's honest. Paul just got annoyed. Turned and said to the spirit, shut up. (laughs) I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Now watch what happens, because Paul just did that. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, so that's how I know there was something legitimate going on here with her spiritually. This wasn't just some ridiculousness that you see from people today usually who say they can predict the future. This was something legit, because the owners are like, we can't make money off of her anymore. When they saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers and when they had brought them to the magistrates they said these men are jews they're disturbing our city they advocate customs that are not lawful for us as romans to accept or practice it's not true the crowd joined in attacking them the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods and when they had inflicted many blows upon them they threw them into the prison ordering the jailer to keep them safely having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So when it says beaten with rods, this is not, uh, this is not a spanking. This is uh, rip open the skin on your back, scars for the rest of your life. If you've ever seen a picture of someone who's been whipped before, that's going to be your best comparison. This is just brutal. So they'd be gushing with blood. Now they get thrown into jail, into the inner prison. So this is all the way down into the into the darkest part of the prison. Usually, it was where all the sewage from the whole building would kind of run down into. This was the worst spot for the worst people. Fasten their feet in the stocks. That's not uh, stocks like you might have seen where you put your hand through and you know you take a picture at the places. That's not those kind of stocks. These are the kind of stocks that were a mild form of torture. They would spread your feet really apart. They would put your feet in these clasps. Then they would lift you up a little bit so you're kind of off your back and it's at an awkward angle. Sometimes they would come and they would hit the bottoms of your feet as they were put in the air. It was, it was more torture than it was just holding. So what would you be thinking right now if you're Paul and if you're Silas? I mean, God, I know you called us to this, but this is out of hand. Is this really, is this really worth it? Do I really care about helping these people this much, God? I came to help. I thought that was—I had a vision. I thought you were behind it. He said he needed help. I just came to help. I mean, do I really care this much about seeing Jesus' kingdom brought to earth? I don't. uh, I don't want to compare at all what Paul and Silas are going through to what we are going to go through the next year. That would be silliness. But I do think there's a a principle here. There's an idea that's shown here that I think does translate for us. The mission of God only moves forward through the sacrifices of God's people. I say it differently. Uh, If you want to help somebody, it's going to cost you. This is always how it works. You want to help somebody, and I mean like really help them. I mean like holistically, help them spiritually and emotionally and physically and practically and all of it. If you want to help somebody be whole, it's going to cost you. Alan um, always says there's no good deed that goes unpunished. He's been helping out our care and our benevolence for years and years and years, has a background in in social work and just knows if you try to help somebody, you're going to pay for it. (laughs) There's just always a cost. There's always a a cost. There's always a sacrifice. Helping always comes with a cost, and that is a principle that will apply. So here's how I've been thinking about it. Um, For our churches, so uh, two-notch folks, you guys knew what you were getting into. So this will blindside you the least, I think, uh, out of everybody here. You knew there was a cost to what you were doing, and when you knew that you wanted to help, you knew it was going to cost you. So even, for example, this past week, or I guess two weeks ago, we finally got a, a life group that meets in the Pinehurst neighborhood. We've got some um, some folks who are living there who are hopping in and starting to get a taste for what gospel community looks like. And so um, the leaders of the group were, um, were parked over at the, the spot that they meet a couple of weeks ago. Some of you may have heard this story. They came out after their life group time and somebody had smashed their cars in with baseball bats. Um, you know what their, their first response was? They walk outside, windows cracked, hood dented. First response. See, that's why we're here. You know what my first response would have been? See, that's why I can't be here. <laughs> it is new. It comes with a cost. If you want to help people, if you genuinely want to help people. We were, doing, we were just doing some upgrades over there, and the electrician from the company that we hired to come out looked at me after he was done with his work, and he was like, man, I can't believe this church. You guys want to be here and serve in this area. That's so cool. And it's kind of, I almost take it for granted now, you know, because I've been there for a while, so it just feels normal to me. I hope, guys, two-notch fam, I hope that for the whole time that we're there, I hope the worst thing that ever happens is some cars get smashed. It may not be, though. and It wouldn't shock me if there's one Sunday and we all come outside and all the cars are smashed. It wouldn't shock me if at some point, even though we all went in there with our eyes wide open, it wouldn't shock me if there's at some point this thought, I don't know, man, is this worth it? <laughs> I mean, is this, I want to help, but I don't know if this cost is worth it. Do I really care this much about seeing Jesus' kingdom brought right here? For uh, Knoxville, you guys are already starting to have to say goodbye. Been in on some of those. Some of you are having to say goodbye to your closest friends. It's a new city that you're moving to. Don't get me wrong, it's an awesome city, and it's great. Knoxville is fantastic, but it's still new. still different. Having to get a different job, different place to live, all of it. There's probably going to come a time when you guys are there, and you start thinking, I don't know, man, is this worth it? I really wanted help, but I'm not sure if the cost is worth it. Lexington, about to uh, be a very small group in a very large cafetorium. You're going to be sitting in a hard seat. You're going to look around and think, they're going to expect me to do things here. (laughs) There are less people. There's going to be a point in time when you think, is this worth it? Because at downtown, somebody else did this. I didn't have to. And the seats were softer. They were ripping, but they were softer. <laughs> uh, this might surprise you. You know who our pastors are the most concerned about for the next six months? It's actually, it's actually you folks who are part of downtown. And here's why. Because uh, we're sending so many people from our downtown church. I mean, just a, a ton of people out. And these, for the most part, are people who are serving and who are, who are giving and who, who make it feel like family. So that's intangible, you know? They're just the, the people that make it feel like our church is a family. And so what's going to happen for some of you folks who are involved at downtown is six months or so from now, you're just going to look around, and, and it's, the, the cost isn't going to be obvious to you. It's not going to be this overt noticeable thing. You're just going to be around one day, and you're going to think, something changed. This feels different. I don't like it. It doesn't feel as much like a family as it used to. Where's that person? Where's that person who checked my kid in? I liked him. He made me feel like family. Why is he not here? I'm not sure about this anymore. And that overt cost that some of our other churches will experience, if you wanted, you guys could just kind of push through it and there's not going to be anything that kind of forces you to weigh the cost and to really step in and really step up. There'll still be enough people around that you could kind of sit back and just say, I bet somebody else will take, take care of these jobs. I'm, I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to coast a little bit. And the truth is, there's always a cost. And the mission always has moved through the sacrifices of God's people. So here's Paul and Silas. They're in Philippi because God called them. They see some fruit. Then just a random circumstance, it seems like. They get publicly beaten and tortured. Unjustly locked up in prison. And little do they know that God has intentions to get the gospel to the jailer and his family. And there's no other way for that to happen. Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. you got to be kidding me. And the prisoners were listening to them. That dude, Paul, this is unreal. And he's just like, I'm going to tell people about Jesus. And if you don't like it, throw me in jail and I'll start a prison ministry there. But you can't stop me or you could kill me and then I'll go be with Jesus and I win. So, what would you like to do? Would you like for me to tell you about Jesus? Would you like for me to tell prisoners about Jesus? Or would you like for me to be with Jesus? All good. All favorites. <laughs> you just can't stop him. How do, you stop, how do you stop that guy? That's the unstoppable dude right there. Because he's already counted the cost. He already said, I'm going to help, and I don't care what it costs me. I don't care what the sacrifices are. I really believe God's called me to this. I'm in. I'm in. Whoever God wants me to help, I just want to help people. Verse 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, everybody's bonds unfastened. When the jailer woke up, he saw that the prison doors were open. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, torturer, For we're all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. Trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Should have done that immediately. He was baptized at once, he and all his family. So he's even got the kids coming, come here about Jesus. Then he brought them into his house and set food before them. How's that for a turn of events? And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. So here's what just happened. There's a, at the time, there was a law that if you were a, a jailer and prisoners escaped, then you got Executed. So, when this earthquake happens, he thinks, all the prisoners just got out, I'm just going to avoid the public humiliation, and I'm going to kill myself right now. So, Paul and Silas know they can escape, right? I mean, the doors swing open, it's a free-for-all, but they knew that if they escaped, it was going to be at the cost of the jailer's life. So, their freedom would be at the expense of the jailer's life and they stay. The dude who was complicit in their torture, didn't treat their wounds, and was torturing them again, throwing them in stocks in the inner prison. Why? Why Why in the world would they stay? If they leave, they get their freedom, but it's at the expense of the jailer's life. And Paul and Silas know they've already got a freedom, a better freedom, that came at the expense of Jesus' life. So they're free to stay. They're free to help. They've already got a treasure worth more than anything else. So when the jailer calls out and is about to kill himself, they say, no, 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 we're all here. (laughs) And it just blows his mind because they repaid evil with good. The jailer's never seen anything like it. And don't don't miss this. It's, It's through Paul's suffering that God saves the jailer. It's not around it. It's not in spite of it. His counting the cost, his sacrificial suffering, is actually the means God uses to blow up this jailer and his family. Because they had already settled it. Whatever it cost that was going to be worth it. The mission of Jesus is worth it, no matter what. So I'm just thinking about that, and I'm thinking about all the people that need, that need help, you know? Around here, downtown, the two-notch area, in Lexington, people in Knoxville. A lot of help needed, because there's a lot of people far from God, a lot of people with unbeatable sin in their life, a lot of people with brokenness and baggage and pain. And we have a lot of potential to help as we're sending out and as we're going and as we're going to our jobs and to our dorm rooms and our apartments and everywhere that we're going to go. But that help is going to cost. It's going to cost us. No way around it. Um, so you better know that Jesus, to help you, counted the cost. Right? Right? We've got to be ready for that. We've got to know that Jesus, at great cost to himself, came to help us. We've got to have a freedom, a joy that, that drives even when life is hard. Um, and then even just practically for, for, our, for our church. Can I, can I ask you to step in and count the cost, bear some of the cost in a couple of ways? This will apply to all three churches, and then we'll transition. I just wanted us to do some communion, um, and then we'll sing a little bit more. Uh, here's, let me give you two ways, really practically, that as members, we can, all of us at our three churches, step in and help kind of count the count the cost, carry the weight a little bit. i give you an informal one and a formal one. Here's the informal. Go to your life group leader, those of you who are not life group leaders, go to your life group leader and say, hey, how do you think I could take more ownership in our group? If you notice... Um, some water forming in the sides of the eyes of your life group leader. That's because you just almost like gave them oxygen for their soul by saying that. You care? Too? <laughs> all right, we're, hey, and listen, we're members, so we signed up, right? And we all said, I wanna be a member, I'm in. I wanna, I wanna serve, I wanna help. So go to your life group leader. How can, I take, how can I step up and take more ownership of our group? And then here's number two. For, uh, for the next little bit, I'm inviting everyone to have some sort of formal serving role. Do what fits you, okay? Do what fits you, whether that's kids, whether that's students, whether that's something on Sunday. It can be something very big. It can be very something very small. It can be something very consistent. It can be something very inconsistent. But we are sending out a ton of people from downtown in particular. This one is for everybody, but downtown. Everybody downtown. Um, <laughs> Would you, would you sign up to serve in some way, as you're able, in a way that fits you? All right, so I'm not, if you dislike people, you don't have to host. Also, you should repent, but you don't, you don't have, to, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want something that fits you, but it would be a massive blessing. And here's the thing, though, because that's going be to be a cost that's going to fall on us as we're sending out and as we're going. So those are for all three churches downtown. Uh, here's, what, here's what let's do. Um, band's gonna come back up, and we're gonna take communion together. So we're gonna we're gonna sing a little bit, and uh, and we're gonna take communion. And uh, as they're coming up, I'm just gonna I'm gonna read this. This was uh, this was helpful to me. Something that uh, that John wrote, and I just really liked it. So band, come on up. As we take the bread and dip it in the juice, we're remembering. We're remembering what's been done by Jesus, and we're declaring. We're declaring what's now true for us. We remember that Jesus, all-powerful and completely free, laid down his freedom to purchase ours. We remember that Jesus, all-glorious, became despised so that we could be seen as lovely to God. We remember that Jesus, worthy of all love and praise, was rejected so that we could be welcomed in. We remember that Jesus, perfectly holy, was broken so we could be made whole. By his wounds, we've been healed and fed and adopted. We've been helped. And as we remember what's been done, we join Paul and Silas and generations of missionaries who've gone before us, who took up this posture for their lives. Because he purchased our freedom, we can lay down our freedom to serve our neighbors. Because he comforted our deepest pains, we can escape our comfort to embrace the broken. Because he welcomed us in, we're constantly looking and bending to invite in those who are far from him. Because he died, we now live with God. And because he lives, we're now free to loose our grips from all earthly attachments, even our life if it ever comes to it. That's what we're doing when we take communion together. We're remembering what Jesus has done, and we're remembering what's now true of us because of it. So we're just going to have a little bit of time here. Um, We'll sing a couple of songs. When you're ready, there's uh, elements in the front and in there in the back. So if you want to just sit, if you want to stand, that'd be great. In fact, why don't most everybody stand? But if you'd like to sit, you can stay sitting, but most everybody stand. Stand. Uh, So we're going to sing together. When you're ready, we'll come and take communion. We'll just have some space to remember what Jesus has done and remember what's true about us because of it.